Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Welcome to the Theater Podcast, intimate personal conversations with the industry's biggest names. I'm your host, Alan Seals, and our guests today, guests, plural, three of them, Keith Habersberger, Alex Lewis, and Huey Stonefish comprise the comedy musical theater band called Luberger. And they became besties both personally and professionally. They tell that story. It's funny. They are such a cool combination of amazing, uh, like, conceived music. The music itself is phenomenally well composed and put together. So they're this great combination of amazingly conceived and produced music with extremely funny lyrics. The lyrics are actually amazingly good. So you pair that with the music and it just sounds like this amazing, amazing thing. That everything they do just comes out top notch. And case in point, their new album, Lou Berger and the Wizard of Friendship, is a, uh, a cast recording of their successful sold-out off-Broadway run that they just concluded. And um, on this album, they've got special guests that are gods in the improv world like Wayne Brady and Alex Brightman. I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did before we get into it. You know the drill. Find me online on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, all the places. And now everybody, please enjoy this episode with Keith, Alex, and Huey, a.k.a. Lou Berger. Here you go. One, two, three. We have an amazing trio of guests today for the episode that comprise the amazing and talented and super handsome comedy band Lou Berger. Lou Berger is Keith Habersberger, Alex Lewis, and Huey Stonefish. Not Stonefish, Stonefish. That's three words. Thank you. Who got standing ovations, one, a standing ovation on America's Got Talent, where uh, and we're finalists on NBC's Bring the Funny. Their viral songs have been heard by bajillions online on TV and been described as the illegitimate love child of The Lonely Island and Flight of the Concords. Keith is a member of the internet sensations The Try Guys, boasting... Also bajillions of subscribers and their own production company. Alex is an actor comedian who can be seen on several TV shows and movies like All About Nina as well as the Valley Girl remake. Huey is an Emmy award winning songwriter and a music producer educator with a nonprofit bringing arts education to his hometown of Syracuse, 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 New York and as they continue to sell out shows across the U.S. and Canada, their original musical, Lou Berger and the Wizard of Friendship, just finished a celebrated sold-out off-Broadway run for which the cast album, featuring some improv royalty, I might add, is about to drop on June 23rd. Keith, Alex, and Huey, welcome to the Theater Podcast. Oh, what a lovely Thanks introduction. For us. Thank you. You are very welcome. And uh, Huey, I, I want to go back to something that we were talking about before I wrote my intro. I don't know if yet if I'll keep it in part of the episode or not. You were saying that you were just about to buy a new guitar because you gave uh, an old one to a fan. And I jokingly were like, oh, you just gave away your instruments. But then you actually gave a, a legitimate serious answer of like paying it forward and trying to bring music to people. So touch on that for a second. I did, yeah. I, uh, I'm I'm very excited to be buying a new bass right now for my for my instrumental collection. I love playing the bass, and yeah, I've uh, something actually that 
I have a new record I'm working on that my co-producer on that record, Kev Liu, recommended to me a couple of years ago when I was looking to sort of upgrade some of my gear was he suggested I uh, see if I have any fans or supporters who are looking for instruments. And so I reached out and saw if anyone needed a bass and someone said they did. And so we met up in a safe public location and, you know, I gave them the bass and signed it. And I've done that a couple of times now. And I just, uh, you know, musical instruments it's not it's hard to sell them and it's a great thing to give and i just love to be part of people's musical journey and you know our fans are such a big part of our journey that's why we were able to go do wizard of friendship that's why we were able to make the wizard of friendship album that's why we're able to go on tour so we're so grateful to them so this is just a way that i can personally uh give back some gratitude for our fans that's that's lovely and it seems like the three of you are are all uh just so I get friendly and loving and and inclusive, right? And so what we've been seeing, everything on TV and on internet with your bajillions of followers and everything, you just seem like you're having genuine fun with each other uh, on stage and online and whatnot. So I, I'm sure you've told the story a million times, but I need to hear it where, like, how did you meet and why all of a sudden, like, you all have your own individual projects. Why do you continue to work together as a trio? Well, I'll just briefly say we all met in high school. Um, we were all doing the drama club and we just sort of went our separate ways. But since high school, we've always just dreamed of being in a comedy band together. Okay, that's not true, <laughs> but it's very cute. Um, no, uh, Alex and I met at a networking event. We both uh, talked about how much we just loved doing comedy music. We wanted, we were looking for another partner, writing partner. So we joined together and we felt that there was something missing with just the two of us. We found Huey one way or another. Uh, he was sort of the perfect fit. And, um, it's one thing when you can immediately vibe and make comedy music with each other, but when then you can right after rehearsal turn to each other and be like, hey man, can I just like talk about something that's on my mind? And that person is willing to just hang out and talk through, you know, a life issue or moment. You know, it just seemed like uh, the three of us got along. And I think our benefit is that we're three different people who have a lot of different things going on because all of those things always educate you about what it is that we're doing here. And yeah, we have a lot of fun together because I don't know how you don't have fun doing comedy music. It's just almost is like an alternative definition for the word fun, right? You're singing, you're goofing off, you're dancing, you're making jokes. People are both at a concert and at a comedy show at the same time. You know, most comedians don't get to do the same material forever, but every band does. So we kind of get to do funny songs that people know the jokes for forever. Um, what what a what a cool experience. And- I guess, Alex, for you, why why comedy? Um, what is it that's that's drawing you to the comedy side of music? Because you can, I mean, all of you can do so many different styles, but what is it about comedy specifically? Um, well, I'm just not handsome enough to do <laughs> not comedy. I'm too weird looking. Um, I've got a giant nose and really curly hair. Nobody would take me seriously if I didn't do comedy. So that's the nice thing. You know, people look at me and just if I'm walking the street, they'll just laugh at me generally. Like, that's just kind of how I live my life. So it just seemed like a natural uh, place to go. I can sing. So, you know, I figured put the two together. Uh, no, I um, Alex is very it's handsome. Just fun. I, Alex is very handsome for anyone who's only listening to this. <laughs> However, what he said about how people react yes. to him on the street and continue to only listen. <laughs> don't it, it, is, it, it is true that people do react crazy to Alex on the street, but he's a very handsome gentleman. That's very kind of you, Huey, and my mom <laughs> thinks so too. Um, but uh, we uh, no, I I think I just I've always enjoyed. Me personally, I, you know, I, comedy is what I've always enjoyed watching the most. 
um, as far as musicals in general and as far as content in general. Comedy is my favorite thing. I think, you know, becoming a comedian and starting to study it, you definitely get like a love-hate relationship with comedy and it can be, you know, the most fulfilling and exciting thing to watch. It can also be the most heart-destroying, like boring thing to watch and we've experienced both aspects of that. Um, but, uh, you know, I, it's fun to take observations or just things from your life and or things not from your life and create funny things and make people laugh like making people laugh is you know very fulfilling for all three of us and um you know i it's i another thing about laughter especially when it comes to live performance is if you're performing live and you make someone laugh you can actually feel that uh, within you as, as opposed to, you know, if you're doing like a, a drama or something like that, you, there's, there's less, it, there's more can, it's more conspicuous, like how the audience is feeling at any given time. So, um, you know, feeling the laughter and feeling the applause out of that is very exciting. And it's just something I've personally, and I think the three of us have probably all wanted to chase, um, ever since we started doing comedy. Do you, do the three of you each have a specific education in, um, in performing or music or both? Like what, where, what kind of beget, begot the other? Yeah, we all do have uh, a pretty separate, uh, but equal sort of performance uh, background. Uh, I went to school and I have a theater degree, but I initially spent the first two years uh, both doing theater and playing French horn in a wind symphony. So I've played French horn forever. I currently play a lot of brass instruments. Um, uh, Huey graduated from Berkeley School of Music. Uh, he's a songwriter and he's been doing tons and tons of gigs. Alex has been performing, you know, he's one of those musical theater kids from the womb sort of things, been in millions and millions of productions. And so between Alex's musical theater experience, Huey's more traditional music writing experience and my uh, stage improv. And I mean, we all have improv experience, stage improv and, you know, playing a wind instrument uh, as being one of 70 musicians on a stage where every person's only playing one little part. I think we have a great, well-rounded music and performance background that uh, allows us to bring a lot of different things into our, our stuff. So hold up. You had a, you have a degree in musical theater, but you don't know any musical theater songs. I have a degree in theater. Oh, just theater. So you, you know, <laughs> yeah, many I, monologues. I yeah, I mean, I went to a school that I went to Illinois State, which is actually like a realism and Shakespeare theater school. Like those are the things they do really well. I'm not good at those things necessarily, but ISU also has one of the best improv college improv groups in the country. Uh, I was in that group and then I toured with an improv group out of college and did all the improv and sketch side of things. And that's where I learned to do video production. That's how I ended up going through the world of BuzzFeed and Try Guys and all that as well. What's the BuzzFeed background actually? Oh, I worked at BuzzFeed for four years. I was one of the earliest uh, people in their video department. I was there when there were only 20 people in the entire BuzzFeed video team um, and worked there, created the Try Guys there. Um, we were we were the people who made taste tests uh, format on the internet, really, as, as, amongst millions of other viral formats. So I grew up in the school of creating and uh, stuff at BuzzFeed, so lots and lots of history in viral formats and all that stuff. And now try guys, it's its own company and we make a lot of stuff, but yeah, we, I started there and Alex uh, worked there and Huey has done stuff featured uh, when we worked at BuzzFeed as well. Uh, so 
we we've been working in the viral stuff landscape for like eight years in one way or another that's insane and very cool too and and um crossover uh alex brightman is in your cast album yes for um along with wayne brady and deshaun wesley two just amazing individuals in and of their own accord and um i talked with alex i've known him for a couple of years and i interviewed him when beetlejuice was on broadway the first time before the pandemic if you remember oh, wow. that yeah mm-hmm. of course and um wait you remember that long ago <laughs> and um something that I think he was the first like really uber comedian that I that I hadn't met previously, hadn't known personally until that point that um opened my eyes to the fact that comedy's fucking hard <laughs> and you have to take it extremely seriously to be good at it. And and so like the interview was was very straightforward and very serious about like here's the method, here's what I'm doing, here's how I'm taking it and dissecting it. And it sounds like the three of you as well are are kind of following that same path because there's there's the funny guy in the conversations when you're out in social settings and then there's people who can write funny things and aren't that sort of you know funny uh the the class clown more or less right and so when the three of you met i guess keith and alex you met first like were you did you were you making each other laugh first and then you were like, hey, we should do something with this. And then, but we're, we're only 90% funny. We need Huey to make us 100% funny. Like, it, what's the formula? Well, I do agree with those percentages. Huey is 10% of the funny. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, go, go ahead, Keith. I, I mean, um, I mean I, what, I, what I would say is that our formula specifically for our comedy music is that the lyrics are very dumb, uh, very silly, very jokey, but the music is incredibly seriously produced, uh, which makes the jokes way funnier. Um, I mean, Alex Reitman does a really wonderful job in Beetlejuice of, uh, of singing everything so wonderfully, and he occasionally gives you like a peek that he can sing beautifully, but most of the time he's singing with this gravelly, crazy voice. But when he shows you that he's capable of so much musicality, suddenly it's so much funnier. And his ability to jump between genres and his ability to sing and his history with how much work he's put into being a good musician makes him so much funnier. In the same way, when you hear our album, if you were listening to the lyrics, you'd be like, wow, this is just really well-produced music. But once you start listening to music, you're like, or the lyrics, you're like, oh, wow, this is, this song is stupid. <laughs> and it's, <laughs> it's that much funnier that we're, you know, taking a song called I'm a Dick, uh, which is, you know, a song about they saw a sausage coming to terms with the fact that he's actually a penis, but it's as beautiful as uh, a lament in Les Miserables. So that makes it way funnier. And uh, I'd say that all of us have class clown in us, uh, but all of us also um, take what we do very seriously. Yeah. One thing that Keith says about our concerts that I think is really, uh, it's a good sort of map for who we are is a lot of the times our shows are like uh, me and Huey are on two sides of a a ship, like a boat, and we're both doing something that's making the boat rock. (laughs) So we're taking – the show is a boat. It's rocking, and Keith is up in the crow's nest just screaming, wait, you need to to stop rocking the boat or we're going to capsize. Yeah, it's sort of like – 
controlled chaos, but I'm not sure who's in control. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was going to point out. Was that it, it, there's like the structure of like the lead singer or whoever it is. There doesn't seem to be it, like you are an ensemble band and you share yeah. in everything. And and it's part of the strength that I think uh, makes Lou Berger so successful. We're going to take a short break. Stay tuned for more of the episode. Uh, it's interesting, Keith, what you were just saying about taking the music so seriously, because when I was listening, I've got a, a sneak peek of the album I've been listening to, and I, I actually wrote down one of my favorite lyrics um, that I was like, I love these guys. The lyric is, we wrote a song about vaginas, and that does not define us. <laughs> I was like, that is a rhyme scheme that I can get behind, and I love it. And um, But you're right, that I... I was appreciated at the beginning when I was starting to listen to your point. I was like, man, this is really good music. It's actually good music. It's not like a comedy album of somebody up there with a guitar acoustically or, you know, which could be good. No offense to that, but you know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's a They're hugely different. produced full orchestration of a cast album. And because of that, I started to let that fade into my, the background of my psyche and was really focusing on the words. And that's what made them funnier because I could appreciate them that much more. So you did your job. You did your job Thanks. well from Thanks this, so much. from this reviewer. Thank you. <laughs> All right. So you're together. You've found your hundred percent funny formula. Mm. And then <laughs> Like, where then does America's Got Talent come in? Where does NBC's Bring the Funny come in? Like, is there a turning point like that where you're like, oh, now we have to take ourselves seriously as a comedy band? I think what had been happening was... The, go ahead, Alex. Well, I was going to say, I think the first time we really probably... Because, you know, we'd been doing, you know, this show in the back of a comic book shop for years. And I feel like the first time we really started to, like, go, okay, we can really focus on trying to get on, on on big things like that is we got to open for Garfunkel and Oates uh, back in 20, I think, 16? Yeah, it was 2016. 16, maybe. And, yeah, it was the Cabo Del Mar uh, Music Festival at uh, at the at this, like, San Diego race ground uh, or, um, you know, like, racetrack or something like that. And it was a giant music festival. Like, Fall Out Boy was playing, Aerosmith was playing, and we just... Like, I, I remember the day before uh, we saw another comic go up. We were in, like, the comedy tent opening for Garfunkel Notes, and we saw another comedic musician go up, and he, like, totally bombed. <laughs> <laughs> he just totally bombed, and I, I remember thinking, okay, this could kind of, oh, God, this is, you know, this could be the end. But then we went up, and we only had 15 minutes, and we, like, had them sort of eating out of the palm of our hands we like i mean we had such a blast and it was just this like raucous 1800 um seat venue with like tons of people and i feel like that was sort of a turning point right there for for the three of us and uh anyway huey what were you gonna say <laughs> i'm sorry uh, no i i mean i was just gonna say uh i think that's all very accurate and and really you know we had been doing this um the three of us this trio for a while playing all around la um, starting to build some of our, you know, a lot of fan base and following. And then we started doing one take music videos. And that was a big turning point for us. Because we were like, we need to have something online that's creative and fun, but also isn't going to cost us a million dollars or $200,000. I guess Stupid Idea, you know, talks about that. But this was before Stupid Idea that can show our creativity and also like uses what we have, which is 
a camera and some friends we can call up and pay like $150 to to shoot three music videos for us. So we put those online and those one take videos were a big impetus to getting us on Bring the Funny. It, it showed uh, the production team there sort of what, you know, we might be capable of, like what we did with a phone. And they were like, cool, if we put them on TV, what could happen? So that really helped to launch us a little bit. And then we got to bring the funny and we were finalists. And then our tours really took off. And then recently, as you mentioned, we were on America's Got Talent. We performed with Terry Crews. He came on our podcast. We had our podcast. So those things, you know, the TV, the touring, the viral videos, the touring back on TV, and now the Wizard of Friendship, it's, it's been a great process for us with everything and i i knew once we because we did bring the funny first and what that show was was they were like we wanted to bring in comedians who we know are good we don't want this to be american idol where it's a gigantic audition where anyone can audition they specifically reached out to us uh because of those little one take musicals we talked to Huey talked about and when they reached out to us, I was like, oh, yeah, we could do this. But I was very hesitant of just like going on American Idol. They really want to own everything about you. Um, and I didn't want that. But luckily, that specific production really was focused on giving uh, good comedians good exposure and not trying to take advantage of them. And we got very far in that and uh, met Jeff Foxworthy, who truly uh, kindest uh, guy, um, really supportive. And once we started performing for a legend of comedy and him and Keenan Thompson, and they're like, wow, you guys are legitimately very good. And even after the taping was over, they would come over and say, no, you're like actually very good. Um, it gave us more confidence to uh, start taking some bigger risks and, and swinging bigger. And then we started touring. And even our first tours were just in the you know, Southern California area, and they weren't bringing in 300 people they're bringing like 60 to 80 people to these little comedy clubs but uh now through everything we've done um we you know we're able to sell out a 400 seat theater in vancouver or or stuff like that so we're definitely in a great period of growth um but it's because we're very strategic about having a very specific tiktok format having a musical that we produced having albums that we produced we have a special on amazon prime so we have sort of planted all the seeds in different areas and we're starting to be able to harvest some of the work, I think. Well, speaking of Luberger and the wizard, the wizard of friendship, like, um, obviously there's musical theater background in, in your lives. And like, Alex, it sounds like, I mean, you know, all the songs you can play all of this and like, did this come out of your headspace or like, at what point were you like, yeah, we just got to throw our hat in there and to get on Broadway or off Broadway because of what reasons? Well, I think uh, a lot of it came from just the, the idea that we, you know, we, we one thing that Lou Berger sort of struggled with ex externally for a long time was people being like, what are you guys? Are you a band? Are you a comedian? And blah, blah, you know, this constant, like not understanding of what a comedy band is. But I think in the past probably year-ish, we've sort of identified okay we're a musical com or a, a, a musical theater act is what we are we are we live in the world of musical theater and we which is great for us because it allows us to do basically any genre because any genre can be in musical theater um and uh and it, it just it gives that clarity to the people who are like oh i like this but i don't really understand what it is we're doing musical theater that's what we do um so when we put out our first um comedy special it was more of a concert, which is great and it's awesome. And that's what we do on tour a lot of the time. But I think just for the next 
comedy special, we really wanted to put our stamp on it and go, look, we are a musical theater act. Uh, we're going to write a musical about us uh, and about our friendship and take our songs and make them the the sort of backdrop for that musical. And and that's what we did. And uh, so that's, that's where it came from. And, um, you know, we were certainly inspired by a lot of the originality of comedy specials that were coming out of 2020, uh, which really kind of enlightened us as far as like what a comedy special can be. It doesn't need to just be a concert. It doesn't need to just be somebody, you know, you got Bo Burnham inside. You've got our, our buddy Danny Jollis put out a, a crazy like special that he filmed in a bunch of different locations. And, uh, you know, I even, you know, just there, there's been some real innovation in comedy specials in general. So we, that's, I think we just went, we can still be that comedy band that we are but incorporate the musical theater that we've now come to really identify with do you write uh your concerts as as full full end-to-end stories because normally I, I just saw a concert music concert the other day and, they, and the, sh- the songs themselves don't have any through line they're just song 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 but now when you're doing musical theater you need a beginning middle and end for it to be entertaining for the audience the entire time so when you're going on tour when you're doing these concerts um i i I mean i guess wizard of friendship probably can be workshopped in any of these tours as you're going around because you can just play them right you can play the songs and get right but yeah yeah i mean wizard of friendship is absolutely it is a musical and when we tour it um next spring it will still be a musical some things will change we'll not be able to take the amount of people and stuff necessarily as we can when we're in a single location for a month the actual like normal Newberger, normal i don't think any anything about our show is super normal um but our (laughs) our comedy concert that we do around the country while there's not like a specific storyline that gets you from the top to the end there are fairly scripted although also improvised segues between songs. So there are scenes that set up the scenario of the next song. So while it's not like a story like um, Peter and the Wolf, perhaps, it's a story <laughs> of the three of us. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's like the best thing I could think of is like, when is there a story with a concert? Oh um, there is Peter a story of us getting from thing to thing. You don't know what Peter and the Wolf what? is? I, I, I feel like I used to watch it. What happens? He's... He's a Peter and the Wolf is the is is the the, (laughs) Peter and the Wolf is when the the entire symphony has uh, each instrument represents an animal in this story, and there's normally a narrator that tells the story, and then they talk about a certain animal, and the flutes have like, and there's it's it's a it's a great show. If you ever get if it's ever at your local. Uh, symphony <laughs> go see it it's an it's an old old thing but it is like in some ways it is very funny and but a lot of it's just sort of a dramatic it's like a child story but it's really well done with an orchestra i digress our show has comedy uh scenes that connect the songs but it, it definitely is more seeing a concert seeing song to song to song but what makes it theatrical is that we have choreographed dances that we have costume changes that we physically go into the audience um that we it's some songs we take things from the audience we bring <laughs> audience members up on stage it's a very interactive comedy show that is just best described as wildly theatrical so since we do comedy and it's a wild theatrical music experience we call it musical theater which it is 
Well, right now, I mean, even theater in general is, is open to interpretation, musical theater even more so. Like, look at look at what is up for best musical. As we're recording this, Tony nominations, or Tony wins haven't been announced, assuming there will be Tonys with the writer's strike. Who knows? Right. Um, yes. But look at all the different formats that are up for best musical. Like Kimberly Akimbo versus uh, Anne Juliet versus Some Like It yeah. Hot. I mean, three very different styles. Yep. And you've... Yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And New York, New York. I mean, everything. So I... I mean, I, even just, even with what's coming out, like, Here Lies Love, they're getting rid of the seats. <laughs> like, they're... You know, yeah, they're turning it into a, a nightclub. That's going to be insane. And so I, I agree with that. Um, and so when pulling all of this into the wizard of friendship um are i guess god the, the character names uh, are just as stupid as the lyrics are which is amazing so yeah. you got alex brightman is flim flam the sausage man yeah. wayne brady the wizard of friendship himself and deshaun wesley is a giant bird in a man suit which is his actual <laughs> character name so um <laughs> when are you going out and you're like man we need to hold open casting calls we need to like who can we who can we get for these amazing parts or are you just texting alex brightman you're like dude like no no we had a real we had a full audition process um we went out you know it was there was some strong consideration Uh, alex alex brightman just put in an excellent audition tape it was so close Um, between him and jack black but we had to go with uh (laughs) no what happened was we you know our 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 friends who are also our heroes uh we found out that they actually liked what we did and then we thought oh my god do you think there's any chance they would say yes to being on our album and so finally we built up the courage to ask them if they'd want to do it and they all were like hell yeah thanks so much for asking we'd love to do this and you know then we recorded with them in the studio where do you meet like we just run into wayne brady like I, i know you guys actually sometimes you do at Disney, uh, the, the the originating uh, thing with Dwayne Brady is that I was at Disneyland. Uh, Alex Lewis, you were there, right? I was um, there too. It was all three of us. You were there too. That's right. We were all there. That's when we all uh, had with Disney my wife. passes. And we were walking across Pixar Pier, and uh, I I just heard, um, "Hey, Keith!" And now I, I, I like I said, I worked at BuzzFeed. I have a very big online presence, so I'm not super surprised for someone to recognize me at Disneyland of all places. It's a million people there. And I turned around and I was like, oh, there's a fan calling out my name. And I see, and it's Wayne Brady. And I was like, <laughs> I, this is eight-year-old Keith who, you know, was so excited to watch Who's Lines anyway. Who's he watched line? it yeah. standing up in his living room, not sitting down, but standing up. I would watch it standing up because I wanted to participate along with them because it was so fun. Uh, he he and his daughter were at um, at Disney and he was basically asking if I would take a picture with her. And I was like, yeah, uh, can I take a picture with you? <laughs> and that led to him saying that he was a fan of what we did uh, at the bus in the BuzzFeed at all and try guys. And then uh, he saw our um, duets online and thought they were hilarious. And he wrote uh, to us about one. So we invited him to come hop into a, a concert we did last uh, winter where he, he like, Hey, do you want to come do some duets with us? He's like, sure. What else could I do? And we're like, oh, anything you want. <laughs> and so he came and did a few numbers with us and uh, we improvised a song with Wayne Brady, which is definitely a dream come true. And uh, in general, you know, he like us um, really loves what comedy music is and wants it to be more than it is. There's not very many comedy musicians that exist that you could name or comedy bands. So he wants to support the the growth of this art form 
Um, and he's very kindly uh, lent his talents to us. And truly, um, I, I think that we are friends. And, uh, you know, it's, it's very, very cool to be able to say that. And, uh, you know, he even further, like he recorded his parts for our album, even though he was sick, uh, because he really wanted to do it. And um, he was really uh, a great. But yeah, like we found these talented people. They like us. They agreed to be on our album. They make our album so much better. Alex Brightman, I met through a Try Guys video, but also he knew who we were because of these duets. I tell you, TikTok, if you can find a format that can do well on TikTok and you can do a lot of it, it can really do a lot for you. The the duets have done a ton for Lou Berger and uh, uh, it's great. We're going to take a short break. Stay tuned for more of the episode. We've been really blessed because we have this series that does Broadway songs. So they've, and they've gotten a lot of good success. So a lot of Broadway shows have invited us to come do it with them. And so we've gotten to meet their cast and make videos with them and sing with them and play with them and just build, you know, some of them have like, like Keith is saying, like some of these people have actually turned into friends um, which is just so cool because they're people that we've all admired for so long. And now they're our friends and collaborators. Where did yeah, Huey where did... and I went and, Oh, sorry. I was just going to say Huey and I went and saw six last night and um, they're, you know, in the playbills, there's always these advertisements for like the Broadway cruises. And uh, we've had this running joke with Rob McClure that about, you know, like, Oh, we're going to come. We Anytime we get a playbill, it's got Rob McClure in it on this Broadway cruise. So Huey and I take a picture of us and the playbill. And this time it also had Alex Brightman. So we texted the two of them together, like being like, we're getting ready to set sail, boys. I can't wait to watch you on the cruise. This is a really dumb bit that we have. Where did the, um, like, what you're doing with the Broadway shows, where did that idea all spawn from? Like, I know the words, and I don't. That that was brought so much joy to so many people when, like, we were itching to get Broadway content back, when the industry was just starting to allow people to touch each other again in, mm-hmm. you know, in a friendly way. <laughs> friendly way. Right. Yeah, it came from us. I mean, it was, we were trying to figure out what Luberger's TikTok presence would be. We had auditioned a few different formats. This was one that we came up with at uh, a wedding, uh, Huey's wedding. Alex and I were, Alex was asking about some song that I didn't know. And he was like, my shadow by Frank Sinatra. What actually it was, is Alex being like, we should do some duets of Broadway songs together. Um, Do you know this one? I said, no. He's like, ah, do you know this one? He's like, no. It's like, do you know this one? No. And then we're like, maybe that's it. Maybe it's that I don't know them. And we, I just make them up. And so uh, we, you know, set a time to record a couple at my house a, a week later and they did well. So like, okay, let's do it again. And uh, even the first ones were uh, lounge jazz standards. They weren't even Broadway numbers, but then we found out even more specifically that Broadway songs are so much better and they have a built in audience. So we were able to start, finding more people who would like us by doing a parody of what it is they already liked, which, you know, this, this is basically a parody, although it's an improvised parody. Keith, do you go learn the words after you sing it? Or are you just like, still screw it? Um, no, don't no. Need to know. In no. fact, I think I, from watching our own TikToks, have learned the wrong words. <laughs> <laughs> like you I hear the rest them of the world, like, man. oh yeah, they... They you don't the sing my words. <laughs> we we, we're like, get, we get tagged like in this. videos all the time that are people like, I just went to perform on stage and I 
saying the right saying like your lyric like oh god no no the beetlejuice ones were some of my absolute favorites i mean like yeah. the, those are more the the rock songs anyway i mean i i like i like all of that that's that's a little more upbeat but yeah it's uh brought so much so much joy and then last thing about wizard of friendship is the ultimate goal to bring it to broadway do you want to adapt it into something else what's the long the long play for that we have a lot of goals Milk it for all it's worth. <laughs> yeah. Milk it. I mean, you know, the, the thing is we did this off Broadway run and it was really successful. We had a great time. Everyone who came to see the show had a great time. Now we have this album that we're really, really proud of and we can't wait for everyone to listen to. And, you know, we will be touring some version of it in the spring. There's just so many things that we can do. Um, and at the same time, there's so many things that we can do. So we never want to, you know, limit ourselves. We're so creative. We love working together. We always want to create new things. So we definitely have the goal of being on Broadway. And if it's the Wizard of Friendship that's on Broadway, awesome. Let's rock and roll. If it's the next project we do that's on Broadway, that's cool. If it's both, that's great. You know, we we love making stuff together and and all that. Yeah, I mean, the song, a stupid idea to put on a Broadway show. Uh, it's true. It's it's very expensive. It's a really risky gamble. I mean, I from doing our show gained obviously so much more respect for the world of theater and how hard it is to do how how many things you have to be thinking about how it really does take a team of hundreds of people to and and years and years to get a show even a show that fails after a month on broadway man that's impressive it's really hard to get that far at all mm -hmm. uh and so you know, I would love for us to figure out a way to write a Broadway musical. At the same time, like you said, we have a lot of different ambitions that might not be our next ambition, but I think it's on our, you know, our timeline somewhere along the way. Uh, and also just in thinking of like how we do more uh, as a as business of Lou Berger, writing musicals that other people can be in and can license and do later. Part of the fun of musical theater is that you get to do them you know, like you get to be in a student version of uh, Phantom of the Opera, maybe like you get to be in them. And our show isn't really written for you to be in. Um, so I think we want to create some more properties that our fans and other musical theater fans get to participate in eventually. I was going to, you know, make a joke about like having the show dethrone Adam's family as the most licensed high school production. <laughs> but um, you... <laughs> You sort of, well, I want to ask a serious question, though, because now it sounds, it's interesting because it sounds like to me the three of you are so, um, as equally focused on creating and writing for others as you are for yourselves, which your typical sort of, I guess, comedian, I wouldn't put that, like, comedians don't write for others a lot of times. You can't. The, com the comedy's for yourself. Yeah, yeah I mean, that's true. But m musicians write for each other like crazy. Songwriters right for everybody and i mean in the business side of things that's how you make money right if you can write a song for someone who can who's way more famous than you to sing it you're going to make money and that's not not one of our ambitions is to you know be profitable with comedy music that's cool but i i do think it's like i if you want to be a good writer of musicals you have to learn how to write for other people not just yourself and also you get to make musicals and then you bring in an alex reitman and he he helps you figure out what his part is, right? When you're really making a musical, you workshop it. It's very, very collaborative. Um, this, our show was very collaborative, but there was a lot that we had collaborated on prior to arriving there. And there were lots of things we continued to collaborate on, but we didn't build it from the ground up in New York. Uh, so 
I don't know. It's just, it's fun. It's hard. It's, it's the hardest I think we've worked on any one thing, uh, ever. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, you, it, we, um, definitely it, it will also probably depend on the project itself. Like, you know, if we wrote the next six, for instance, which I don't know why you would go to us to do that, but you know, if we wrote a show for, you know, uh, six women that, that would be, we couldn't do that show. But, um, you know, if we wrote a show, uh, like, you know, a bit that a couple of us could be included in or three of us or whatever, like then maybe we'd be a part of that. It just kind of, it, you know, it's also project dependent. Yeah. And we're like, as a group, I think we would love the opportunity to, you know, uh, write something like the next legally blonde, right? Take an IP that exists. That's popular. How do we make it into a good musical? I think that's something we would uh, are actually very good at. Um, and, uh, because of our variety of genre, I think we can bend to a lot of different properties. So we're hoping that some through all the projects we continue to do when somebody is like, has optioned some great thing and they're looking for a talented trio of guys to help them write this as a musical that, <laughs> that they think of us. Well, the Nancy Drew musical was just announced <laughs> a day or two ago. And so what's missing now from my childhood is the Hardy Boys version of this. There you so, go. Right. There you go. Just putting that out there. We need some Hardy Boys musical action. Encyclopedia Brown could be a great musical. <laughs> <laughs> if you're familiar with that childhood favorite of mine. <laughs> TGIF, all about step-by-step, step, let's see, starring uh, characterized oh, Suzanne Summers and mm-hmm. Patrick Duffy. Let's see. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so... Three uh, closing questions I ask everybody to wrap up the episodes. Um, we'll try try to keep your answers summarized so I can get to all three of you. So I'll start with you. Huey, the first question then, very simply, is just what motivates you? What motivates me? Yeah, man. What motivates me for what? To eat healthy, to not eat healthy, to practice piano, to do nonprofit work, to go on tour, like... Is that all I get? To get up to get up in the morning. This is an open-ended question on purpose. To get up in the morning and take that next step. What do you what are you do what are you doing it for? Uh, I like to be able to have influence on the world. And I have found that the more success I have in my career, the more influence I get to have. So that's one of my motivations. Lovely. Alex. Um my uh, crippling neurosis. Which is not a, a, a wrong answer. <laughs> no, I know. It's a very right answer. My crippling neurosis and fear of failure. Those two things motivate me the most, yeah. I'd say. Well, you, you're, you are definitely the most musical theater of the three of you. So yeah, that, that, <laughs> that's on par. That's on brand. Uh, Keith, go ahead. I, I ultimately just like to make people laugh. It makes me feel good. Uh, it makes me laugh. So probably that's the simplest answer. I yeah. like to get up and I'm probably going to make somebody laugh today. And that's great. I love that. All right. So Alex, we'll start with you this time. What advice would you give to your younger self and younger people listening now starting out down a similar path? Um, okay. What advice would I give to my younger self and advice to oh, Jesus? Uh, get up, don't be afraid to get on anti-anxiety medication. Um, and, uh, and also, oh, you know what? I, I would have said, I think if I could have started writing earlier, 
that would have like writing um you know I, not not just comedy music like writing actual scripts earlier it, it teach it, it it taught me a lot and uh I think I could have, if I'd really just put my mind to it, I could have done it. I and um, you know, you learn so much with every new thing you write. So that's that's the advice I give: write your own oh. stuff. Keith, take piano lessons. Mm. I wish I'd taken piano lessons. I never took piano lessons, so, uh, and as much of it is a, a stereotype of a thing a kid doesn't want to do. I tell you, if you think you want to do music, it's going to be the very best thing you can do for yourself. But you play all the brass, but you don't play. You never learn to play piano. That's correct. I wow. play. So I, they're just they're very different instruments, you know. Yeah. Brass, one one note at a time. Yeah, that's true. That's <laughs> true. You know, a limited amount of fingers, <laughs> even it's very. Uh, <laughs> it's a monophonic instrument. <laughs> Huey, uh, I have two pieces of advice for my younger self. One, don't be afraid to be the worst person in class should always be the you should strive to be the worst person at everything you do because then you'll be surrounded by people who are better than you and you can learn from them and the other thing i would say is just release music put it out when i was younger i was very precious about everything that i put out and i think looking back now if i had just been consistently releasing music from when a time that i graduated from berkeley to now even though a lot of that music would probably not be very good i would have uh more people that we're interested in listening to my music. So those would be the two pieces of advice. Mm, yeah. Okay. As an advice to anyone out there listening who wants to make stuff online, since that's so much of what we do online videos, content, it's never finished. It's released. Yeah. You know, it, it, you don't have time to be precious on something that really doesn't make you any money back. No. Uh, you need to make it, put it out there, move on. Yeah. learn from it make another thing you got to make i mean Luberger has made thousands of pieces of content um you have to do that for every you know and for every 50 one will hit right so you you just got to crank you just got to not be precious not be upset that something doesn't do well just learn from that thing and try again all right Keith, we'll start with you for the last question. It's the hardest one. If you could only see one show for the rest of your life, but you can see it as many times as you want, what would you see? A, a theatrical show, I'm imagining you're, you're suggesting. Hmm. Oh, what show would I see if I could only see one show forever and ever? Uh, maybe... I mean, Beetlejuice is really fucking fun. But I... You were in it. I'm right... right I know I was in it. Beetlejuice is a blast because it's visually so ridiculous, but I also love Book of Mormon. Um, and I'm proud of any comedy musical that becomes, you know, uh, stays forever, right? Like that's got to be the hardest thing to do. So I think I will go for Book of Mormon only because it, uh, it, it inspires me a lot of what I would hope to be able to make someday. Mm. Huey. Um, you know, I just saw Jill Scott perform, and her show was pretty awesome. Her show's no Jill Listen, Scott on Broadway. Jill, or, or you know who I saw? Melissa Etheridge, who did have an off-Broadway show, and I saw her do her full band show, and that show was sick. AF. And she but has I, a Broadway show coming. There you go. Yeah. Maybe yeah. Um, so. Jill Scott, Melissa Etheridge, and uh, Feather on the Roof. <laughs> the, all, the all Yiddish version. <laughs> okay. Alex 
Uh, either you're in town, Spelling Bee, or Avenue Q. You're in town. Not cats. No, I would you go. Love cats. Cat, I love cats, but if it was the only show I could see for the rest of my life, I'd probably go fucking crazy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I would, I, agree. I would, I would see it once and go. Okay, I never need to see Broadway again. I guess I'm done with theater. <laughs> yeah. All right, uh, Keith, where can we connect with you online? Uh, you can catch catch me at Keith Habs across all the platforms. You can watch me on the Try Guys YouTube channel. You can also catch Lou Burger there a lot. I do a show called Eat the Menu, where I eat everything. Lou Burger is a frequent guest, uh, and you can also find me on the Lou Burger YouTube channel as well. So anywhere. In any of those places, you can find me. Alex. Uh, my social is I, the number eight, a thumbtack, <laughs> uh, which is a holdover from my AOL instant messenger screen name from 2003, but it, I, you know, one, I didn't change it in time, and now that's what people know me as. Um, and you can find me at Lou Burger, every, you know, everywhere else, TikTok, Instagram, all that stuff. Oh, my goodness. All right, uh, Huey, we're going to connect with you. I'm H-U-G-H-I-E, Stonefish, Huey Stonefish. You can check out my nonprofit, The Arts Project Syracuse, at The Arts Project Syracuse. And do you hate when people say Huey Stonefish? Like, combine your second I and last name? That's my name. So, you know, I appreciate when people say my name uh, at all. <laughs> <laughs> well thank you thank you uh thank all three of you man this has been so much fun i really appreciate it and everybody please listen to lou burger and the wizard of friendship album out on june 23rd everywhere you stream your comedy music which is everywhere you stream music it's freaking funny thank you guys appreciate it thank you thank you Ooh. take a deep breath make the world a little colorful Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.